Hey friends, welcome to episode 151 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dora Swift. Thanks for stopping by and joining me today. My guest is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. Lori Ann Wood. We are talking about wrestling with faith and navigating life's detours to find the faith we've always wanted. Have you ever found yourself on a path you didn't choose, but it made all the difference in your life? In this episode, we're talking about wrestling with faith, asking deep faith questions, and the value of asking those questions. And Lori shares her personal experience with heart failure that came on suddenly and unexpectedly. And I know that this episode is going to encourage any listener who's going through a difficult season. And even if things are going well in your life right now, there are always things that we're going to experience. And so this is going to be a source of comfort and encouragement to you today. So listen in while I have a chat with Lori Ann Wood. And I want to also let you know that Surrender the Joy Stealers, Rediscover the Jesus Joy in You, my six-week Bible study, is out. Friends, you can grab it from Amazon and start releasing those joy stealers to God. Stay tuned. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. From aspiring musicians to church worship teams, theworshipinitiative.com has resources for everyone. The Worship Initiative is an online training resource to help you learn and lead top worship songs with in-depth instrument tutorial videos, chord charts, and more. Alongside instrument training, we have devotionals for every song and training videos on how to be an effective worship leader from voices like Shane and Shane, Phil Wickham, John Piper, Ben Stewart, and more. Only at theworshipinitiative.com. Start learning and leading your team now by using the code SPARK23 for your first month free. Welcome back. Today, I am excited to introduce to you my friend, Lori Ann Wood. She is a Christian writer and a heart failure survivor, and we're going to hear all about that. And she's a wife, a mama, and a grandma, which is near and dear to my heart. And we are talking about a book that she released recently called Divine Detour, The Path You Didn't Choose Can Lead to the Faith You've Always Wanted. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And she has learned to embrace some deep faith questions, which I'd love for us to talk about today. Um, She likes to help people confront these questions and give voice to them. And these are questions that everybody needs to answer in their life, such as, is God always good? And when we face challenges and trials, sometimes these difficult questions kind of hit us right in the face. And so we need to face those things and face what the truth is, actually. So I am glad to have you on the show today. I've been looking forward to this, Lorian. Great to have you. 
Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you. And I just, you know, I, I can't wait to dive into this and talk about your book and talk about your experience that you've gone through. Um, my mom recently experienced um, some health challenges with her heart, so it's come real close to home. And so I would love if you would share a little bit about your story and then how you are taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. This all started really about seven years ago. I it was, if anything, I had a medical evaluation for a life insurance policy that was just kind of a nothing thing. And they did all the testing and they said, you are so healthy. You have less than 3% chance of ever developing heart disease in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I remember that day, they actually came to the house and did the testing. And I was like, that didn't surprise me because I had no family history of heart disease. I had no risk factors for heart disease. I, you know, if I listed all the things I was worried about, I would have had cancer up there at the top and a vehicle accident, but heart disease of any kind wouldn't even be on the list. Mm -hmm. And so that didn't surprise me, but just three weeks after that medical evaluation, I was actually in cardiac ICU at my local hospital. I had been told that I had end-stage heart failure from an unknown cause. And that was something that really rattled me. I just was not feeling well at the time. I thought I had the flu. I thought maybe I had pneumonia. And found out from a chest x-ray that I had a very enlarged heart. My Cleveland Clinic doctor later told me it was the largest heart she'd ever seen, which put somebody at Cleveland Clinic telling you that she's the head of transplant there. It's not something you want to hear. But the fact that my heart was functioning at just 6% was what really concerned my doctors because I didn't know it. I just, you know, I'm a mom and I do all the things and I knew I wasn't feeling well. I knew I wasn't a hundred percent. I knew I wasn't my best, but I had no idea that my heart was doing so poorly at the time. And I did not have a good prognosis. Uh, doctors, they don't tell you this at the time, but later they told me that they didn't think that I would leave the hospital. Mm. And um, then they said, maybe you have 90 days and then maybe six months And then once I got past that, they're saying five years, and now it's been seven. But during that time, there was just a lot going on medically. I was flown to Cleveland Clinic, and I became my doctor's most critical patient for a year and a half. And I wore a life vest for nine months, which is an external defibrillator vest. Mm -hmm. And I just took a lot of medication, and I still take all that medication, but Nine months after I was diagnosed, I got an internal uh, defibrillator and pacemaker. So I still have that. And I recently just got that replaced. And I really just kind of held on through that time, physically and spiritually. I just held on because it was a confusing, really rattling time. And I didn't have any improvement. I wasn't getting I I was holding on and I was alive, which I later learned they didn't expect me to be, but I wasn't getting any better. And there were prayer chains going on 24 hours a day for me. And 
all of this, I had so much support and so much care, but I just wasn't getting any better. And then just to kind of tell you what a up and down roller coaster ride this has been, 16 months after I was first diagnosed, I had to have a, an appendectomy, which at the time I'm like, great, oh, wow. what else, you know, what else can go wrong? Mm-hmm. And when they, nobody wanted to take my appendix out because I had such a weak heart and they did a test, they, they do an echocardiogram to determine your heart function. And to everyone's shock, my heart was functioning at almost normal. Praise the Lord. It it was just amazing. I didn't, I was as surprised then mm-hmm. as I was when I first got diagnosed. And I thought that was the end of my story. I thought I have this story of divine healing and the answer of prayer and God's provision and trust. And I was ready to tell the story. And I did tell that story and then three years ago, I my heart function dropped and I found myself in active heart failure again. So I have been on this roller coaster that at first felt like, you know, God, I don't know what you're doing here with my faith, with my health, with my expectations and my future. Um, but heart failure is really by definition a chronic progressive disease and What that means is for most people, medical science can help manage the symptoms. And there's a lot of symptoms that come along with it. And for some people, they can slow down the progression of the disease, but it ultimately only goes in one direction. And even though I was experiencing some spikes up during that time, the overall direction was still in decline. And so I've had to deal with these questions that you talked about, not only in that initial period, but in an ongoing basis, I revisit those questions often. Mm -hmm. And I think that is how that, you know, you talk about your passion. I, I always thought I would write a book, but I never took time to do it Mm -hmm. like so many people. And, um, this, roller coaster of heart failure has brought that up to the surface and it's made it a priority. And so that is something that I've tried to lean into and just the value of questions. Wow. You know, it's so encouraging how you were talking about when you first went in and the doctors were giving you the prognosis and all of that, that it really is God who has the final say as to what happens with our with our life physically and you know so that is going to be an encouragement for someone listening right now because sometimes doctors can give their best educated guess but they really don't know for sure but we know someone who does know for sure and so you you were talking about how you always thought you would write a book that was before this health crisis right so what what was it that you were thinking you would write about? That's a very good question because I think in as I looked back on it, it we we joked my husband and I would joke about maybe I'll write a book about children's birthday parties and how to take a vacation um on the cheap or all these things that I felt like okay, 
maybe I could be an expert in that. And I was kind of waiting around in my life to figure out what I was an expert at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was busy raising children. I taught college for 25 years and I just never felt like I was at a point where that book should take priority and that I was an expert in something that I needed to share with people. And so I didn't ever write it. You know, I, I'd love to write, I love to read, but it just, it, I didn't feel like it was something that I was prepared in that stage of life to do. And I, I think a lot of times about, there was a quote that came up in one of my heart failure groups. And it said, not all storms come to destroy your life. Some storms come to clear your path. Wow. And that's, you know, that's really what happened to me because I, after heart failure, I could not really stand up and do a lecture for two or three hours at a time. Mm -hmm. But I found that I could sit and type at a computer all day long. And so that was something that I just didn't take the time to do. And I didn't prioritize in a safer, healthier life that at that point it became something that I felt God was saying, now's the time to do that. Mm. Yeah. It, it is amazing how God puts something on our hearts and begins to prepare us for a calling, you know, in your case, you're going to write something. You always had that pull or draw toward writing and so now others can find hope and, and healing and, and a fresh word through the words that he gave you to write. And so um, that started the process. So in the book, you deal with these questions. And how did those come out? Did you, you, you had said something when I was reading uh, some information in your bio and all of that, you had began journaling and then you started a blog, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us yes. about that. <laughs> that was a funny thing because I remember my friend dropping off a little notebook at, in my ICU room, and she probably thought I was going to write down medical instructions or you know how to take care of the kids while I'm gone or phone numbers or something. And what it became was is when I would wake up in the middle of the night in the hospital. I was just writing down really raw emotions and questions, kind of angsty statements to God. And I I was just kind of pouring out and I I didn't ever expect to read it again. I never expected to open it again. And I really thought once I got out of the hospital, my life would come back together and I would forget all about that notebook. But as you know, from what I said earlier, it didn't really come back together. And so my husband said, I hope you're writing this down. You need to be writing down what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to write it down. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to relive it. So I resisted for a long time. And then I finally started to do it because I started to see God working in little ways. And I thought, I don't want to miss this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to forget this. And so I started writing down and then it became easier for me to keep people up to date on a blog. Mm -hmm. And so I started keeping a blog, but the blog quickly, as my health was just not changing, there wasn't much to blog about. Mm -hmm. I started blogging about my faith in that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's when people started saying, 
wow, you know, I don't have heart failure, but I really relate to what you're saying in the faith realm. And so I started writing pretty frequently and I started writing for publications and I just was pouring out all of these thoughts that were coming out of my head. And at some point I had a lot of material, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't feel like I was an expert in anything and I didn't know how that would come together. And I looked at it all. In fact, I put each one on a sticky note and I just put them on the back of a couple of doors and just kind of stood back and look at them. I thought there's no way any of this goes together. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't, I can't see it. And it wasn't long after that, that I was studying in Matthew about Jesus's, uh, I'm going to call it a detour <laughs> into the desert right before he started his public ministry. And I realized as I looked at all the writings I had done that those three temptations were the same three areas that I was addressing in my writing in the desert that I was detoured into. And, and then I realized that the, you know, we call them the temptations, but any temptation is really just an internal question that we're asking. And that when I realized that and saw the all of what I had been struggling with going into those three areas, I knew then that those were the questions that were resonating with other people, you know, whether they were on a financial detour or a relationship detour or a health detour like mine, they were seeing that same theme, those three questions running through. So the one question that we talked about earlier is, is God always good, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you help people through these questions and, you know, when they're dealing with that? Because I love how you said that temptations are internal questions. That that yeah. was really pretty profound. So tell us more about, about that and how you help other people work through these questions and what they are. Yes. I, one of the things I realized was that you know, for me, and and it resonated with so many other people, is that I had been a Christian all my life. I was raised in a Christian home. I don't remember ever not knowing about God or not believing that He was real. I just don't remember not having that. And yet I got to that point in my life with this health crisis, and I started to ask some really basic questions. And I was kind of embarrassed about it, to be honest, because I thought, how did I get to this point in my faith and still have these really basic questions like, is God always good? Mm -hmm. And I started to realize other people were having basic faith questions. People I considered to be faith mentors or faith giants. They're like, no, I still struggle with that. And so what I try to what I'm trying to do in the book and in my writing is to really give people permission to ask the questions because even in the book I don't necessarily give a pointed answer to a question but I set up a framework where people can look at that question in light of their own experience and their own life and mm-hmm and really ask God those questions because 
I think one of the dangers is we get into, you know, maybe we've been a Christian all our lives, but I think we get to this point where we've been a Christian all our lives. We think we can't ask those questions because we should have it all together. We should portray this image of Christianity of having the answers. And I think what I started to realize is that the value really lies in the question because, mm-hmm. you know, you think of so many places in scripture, the Psalms, Lamentations, in Job, so many places where questions are just asked, like, why, where are you, mm-hmm. how long? And, and that's okay. That is a way to keep connected to God in those hard times. I found that my alternative was to just walk away and be silent to God because I was not feeling it. I was not feeling in a praiseworthy mode. I was not feeling particularly close to God. And so the alternative was for me to just take this little fragile faith I've had all my life, this little family heirloom that I'd built and put it on a shelf and walk away and say, I'll bring it down off the shelf when my life comes together. But when I was doing that, I was shutting God out. And I was at risk of really walking away from God permanently. Mm. So I got that faith down. And I said, no, I've known this God too long. I'm going to wrestle with it. I'm going to ask. I'm going to poke and prod and contend with God because We've been at this too long to let this go. And I found that that was exactly what my faith needed. I needed to get down in there and ask those questions. And to be honest with you, I didn't always get an answer, Mm -hmm. but I always got this communication with God, which is what I needed so much more than the answer that I thought I needed. Mm. That was so beautifully said. And I, And I know that it's going to encourage someone today because there are so many times in our life that we face trials and struggles and different, different things in different seasons of our lives. And it's different for every one of us. Um, And, you know, there are so many who will turn from the faith because of something like that, and then hopefully will return. But it just, it's so powerful how you made that choice that even that little mustard seed of faith that you stuck in that shelf, which I love how you laid that out for us because you could just see the whole picture of that happening, that that mustard seed of faith, it just is so powerful because it it truly emphasizes really what that scripture means, you know, like a mustard seed of mm-hmm. faith and that it was more precious to you to fight for it than to walk away from it. Because sometimes people might feel like it's easier to walk away, but it's actually harder, isn't it, Lori? Is that what you found? I do think so. I think, especially for those of us who have had that um, upbringing and that connection with God, it's it it's just something that I was pulled to resolve. I could not look back on my life and say all of that was for nothing, and so. You know, I one of the things my husband said early on in 
this journey. I think it was my first stay in the hospital. He he had he's a runner. And so while I was in ICU, he was missing running. He was like, I'm not running. I don't <laughs> this is not good. So finally I was doing well enough that a friend came and sat with me and uh we he was able to run and he came back and he said I I talked to God on the run. He's a very spiritual person. He's always way ahead of me in the spiritual realm. And he said, and I know now that even if you don't get better, it's going to be okay. Mm. And I was not happy to yeah. hear that at that point <laughs> in my life. Um, it was hard to hear because yeah. I was fighting, you know, medically and physically, but we later laugh about that because he was, he was so far ahead in what he was thinking spiritually. And he, we talked about it later and he said, what I meant was you're trading what you can't keep for something you can never lose. Mm. And I thought that's so good because all these prayers that people were praying, I wanted an immediate resolution to those prayers. I wanted to be back doing what I was and wanted my life back. And what I discovered was that the power of prayer wasn't in that immediate resolution. It was in establishing this relationship with God. And part of that was asking these questions. And that pause allowed me to get closer to God than I would have if my life had just gone on as I had it hoped and expected it to. Mm. Which is so perfectly said in your tagline, or not the tagline, but the subtitle of your book, which is the path you didn't choose can lead to the faith you've always wanted. And that just exactly how you have been sharing with us about that. And I, I love a few things that you had said that rather than walking away, you wanted to kind of wrestle with it and resolve, find resolve. And that doesn't mean we're going to have answers to all of our questions, but it's kind of reminds me of music, how certain notes will, you know, be, will resolve the, the piece. Like you can't end a piece on a certain note because people will be hanging and know that, wait a second, there's one more note that needs to be played for this song to be over. Even people that don't have a musical background. I mean, I took music lessons, so I don't know. Sometimes I might be not saying this right, and it'd be like, I'm sorry to my piano teacher and my flute teacher <laughs> that I am forgetting all of the things I learned about music. But um, but I know that there are pieces that need to be resolved with certain notes and, and that you felt it wasn't going to be resolved without God. That was the one who mm. <laughs> puts the music into our our lives. And then when you also were talking about how the value is in the question, that was pretty profound statement as well. I think that is so powerful because we're not always going to know all the answers, but even in, in the word, even in, in scripture, the Lord asks questions. It's not that he doesn't know the answers, but he does ask the questions and it really makes us think, or it was the point that he was making or, you know, something kind of stating the obvious. And so I think that's pretty powerful too. And for your precious husband to be sharing such 
encouraging truth and explaining what it means and the way he said that. And, and that too, I love how you had shared um, where you pursued him, I think from ninth grade through grad school, right? <laughs> he was yeah, the one for you. Yeah. <laughs> he was a good one. I knew it from the beginning. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, anybody that's been a caregiver or had a caregiver knows that that's where the rubber meets the road. And mm-hmm. he has been you know, I don't know how I could have known it in ninth grade. (laughs) And I don't think it was me that put us Uh together. But yeah, he's been a blessing. And I think about that. I just got my device replaced a a couple weeks ago. And so we're back in that caregiving kind of mode. And I tell you, he is. Yeah. So when you're when you're checking out spouses, and (laughs) (laughs) it's something to consider. Yeah. Definitely. How long have you um, been married? Uh, 38 years. Praise the Lord. Yay. We're, we're married about the same time going for 39 this year. So that's good. Good stuff right there. And Lori, this has been so amazing. And if there is maybe one thing you'd want to leave here with the listener to really kind of think about before I'll have you share how they can connect with you. What what do you think that would be? Hmm. I think one of the questions that um you know for me, I was I was kind of in a position with my faith where I was equating God's goodness with how well my life was going according to this plan I had set out for myself, mm-hmm. which when you look at it that seems kind of ridiculous. Because God's goodness couldn't shouldn't depend on some plan I conjured up in my head, but that's what that's how I had done it. And um, I think one of the things that is was super helpful to me is that sometimes our story or the part of the story that we're playing in God's bigger story doesn't resolve neatly in our lifetime. You know, we can think of people like John the Baptist or Stephen and most of the apostles. Mm -hmm. When they got to the end of their life, it probably didn't make 100% sense. But we can look back now and see how it had to be that way. And we, though, we think, but in our lifetime, in our chapter, it should be neat and tidy. And we Mm -hmm. should know all the reasons for what's happening in our life. But the fact of the matter is, and it talks about this in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 11, where it lists all these people of faith. Mm -hmm. And it says they were living by faith when they died, but they did not see the things promised. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in a detour and it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. and you don't see a resolution, that doesn't mean God's not good. And it doesn't mean it's anything you've done. It means that for your story, the story arc might not complete in your lifetime. And that's where that trust in God comes in. Mm -hmm. But it's also where God says, I know that's confusing when it doesn't resolve in your lifetime. So go ahead and ask me those questions. Let's keep the conversation going because he has pursued us at all costs to him and at any cost to us. And so just keep those questions coming and tether on to God 
if that's what it takes, because that was something that really helped me when I had, it would have been really easy to walk away. Mm, That is so encouraging. And thank you so much for sharing that wisdom from the Lord. You know, the things that you have been learning. And like you said, I mean, you were always waiting to be an expert at something before you could write a book. And the truth is, none of us are really experts. I mean, we know what we know, but thankfully we have the Spirit of God residing in us to give us the wisdom that we need and the guidance that we need at the time that we need it. And so I'm very thankful to you for sharing all of this because I know it's going to help so many of us. And we just don't know what tomorrow will hold, but we know the one who holds tomorrow. So that is a source of encouragement there. And, you know, we never know what one thing we share or say or write in the pages of a book that God's given us to write can impact a life and change the trajectory of someone's life. And even if it's just one person, it was all worth it. So thank you, Lori, for that. How can the listener connect with you and grab your book and find out all the things um, that you have? Because you have, yeah, I think you have a free resource too that you'd like to offer. Yes. My website is com, and that's just L-O-R-I-A-N-N-W-O-O-D.com. And there's all sorts of ways to connect with me there. There's a books page. Uh, the book is called Divine Detour, and that's uh, there's links on the books page on my website. It's also available on Amazon. And the free resource that I have, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Lorianne Wood, so I'd love to connect there. And the resource that I have is actually uh, something that I wrote during that silent time with God, where I was having a really hard time establishing that connection with God. And it's called Five Prayers and Promises When You Can't Talk to God. Mm. And it was during that time where I decided to really dig in and ask those questions and dig into scripture and say, I know there are promises in here that I need to cling to. And so I would love to offer that for download. And that is at laurieannwood.com slash hope. Wonderful. I'll put that in the show notes so people can grab that resource. And thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to having you back on sometime. I would love that. I would too. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun to talk to you. It has been fun and such a great pleasure and an honor for me to have you on the show. So thank you so much, Lori Ann. Do you like to be called Lori or Lori Ann? Or? Lori Ann for the writing. So my siblings would argue with you and say that that's not what <laughs> I go by. But <laughs> Okay. Well, I... <laughs> I will not argue with your siblings, so, <laughs> but thank you so I much. I do, so it's okay. Oh, okay. Do. Yeah. Well, that's normal. That's, that's healthy. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but thankfully that can get resolved. So anyway, but that's thank right. you so much, Lori. And like I said, I'll have the links in the show notes so people can find you and we will talk soon, friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that this episode encouraged you. I'm sure so many of us 
could relate to a lot of the things that Lori was sharing. And if you are in a season right now, maybe you're in a valley, maybe you feel like you're in a pit. It's okay to ask questions and to wrestle with faith and God. He's not afraid of it. And he wants us to come to him with all of our fears, with all of our questions. He is the perfecter and finisher of our faith. So we can rest in him and he knows best. And like I said in the show, we don't have all the answers, but God does. And that's all we need to know. That's the best answer we can get is who, who knows everything? Well, God knows it all so we can trust in him. So friend, thank you so much. And I will have all the links in the show notes for you, for Lori, so you can reach out and connect with her and grab her book and surrender the joy stealers, rediscover the Jesus joy in you. My six week Bible study is out and available amazon.com. So check that out friend and grab a copy or two and go through it with a friend. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.